Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The movie buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, what's up, Real Talk listeners? We are back with episode 67, and this is another episode reviewing the new. That's right. We're going to bring you some reviews of brand new films. Some of these you're still going to be able to go out and catch in theaters. Others you're going to find streaming in places like Netflix and HBO and Hulu. And others you'll just have to wait a little bit until they come out. So there's a couple of them we apologize. It's taken us a little bit longer to get our reviews out for, but we've got a great slate here tonight. And as always, we've got the full crew here. So T-Man, hop in here. What have you been up to lately? How do you think our last episode went? And have you gotten any feedback from it? Hey guys, it's good to be on Real Talk tonight and talk about some new movies. Yeah, I thought the last episode went well. Um, let's see, have I gotten any feedback, not any personal feedback, but I know the audience is, has been anxiously waiting our late 2000 episode blockbuster. So hopefully we'll get some good feedback. I know I've been looking on Facebook and, um, you know, mainly Facebook and I'm seeing a lot of people comment and put in different things about what their favorite movies are, which is exactly what we wanted to see. Um, seeing some really good results some really fun results and, uh, seeing a lot of dark night on there so i'll be interested to see if that pulls through like we think it will and we're actually that's i'm glad you reminded me of that because we actually need to announce who the winner is of our 2000s best of the decade summer blockbuster i already know i mean i think i've done the calculation i think it's it's done it's written into stone it's uh Indiana Jones and the Crystal Soul, Skull. Yeah, and yeah. the Kingdom of it's the Crystal done. Skull. Yep, we can't it's wait. Done. To Let's go. Let's go, guys. Gabe, you got, <laughs> are you in the fridge yet? Are you in the fridge right now? I wish I was, man. I've been <laughs> I dying to get into out. a fridge and get nuked, man. I did empty out my entire fridge. And, uh, yeah, I usually sleep in there now. So, well, I didn't know you had a lead was, fridge. Well, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, Tom, Tommy has a lead fridge <laughs> that we we just learned, and emptying out his fridge was really nothing. It was just two things of string cheese and RC cola and a, a couple beers. Yeah, lots of RC cola in there. I'm sure. <laughs> that's valuable stuff, man. That's like gold. Liquid gold. <laughs> well, Gabe, we've already kind of kind of brought you in, but. Uh, yeah, any, any, did you get any feedback from our late 2000s episode and just let the audience know what's been going on? Yeah, I mean, I, people have been stopping me everywhere, you know. Basically, I was in Target <laughs> the other day. People couldn't get enough of my substitution that I did. You know, when I, I they were like, you know, that's cheating, you know, but I, I don't think it is. You know, if we would have just talked about Iron Man twice, how boring would that have been? So, yeah, I've been getting tons of feedback, and uh, I'm, like Tommy, I'm excited to have this Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode. <laughs> it can't come soon enough. Yeah, I'll let's get it here. Out. Let's get it here now. I think Shia even said he wants to be on it. Yeah. Um, you know, his career's in the toilet, so he said, you know, <laughs> what's further down than, from there than Real Talk? And I said yeah. nothing. 
Yeah, we're we're basically at the same level. So yeah, so, come come right. on and, and join the episode. We might slightly elevate your career at this point. Right. Shaw's <laughs> gonna be ticked when he hears this episode. Well, y'all said it. It the episode couldn't come soon enough, and if it happens sometime in the next decade, that'll be too soon for me. But uh, yeah, well, let's uh, let's kind of <laughs> gear up for tonight for tonight's episode. Uh, oh, team, I did want to ask one thing before we kind of get into it. You were, you know, you were thinking about turning in some episodes of Real Talk for your thesis. And I just wondered, did you do that? And what did you wind up passing your class? I know you had your final last week. Yeah, no, th- thanks for uh, bringing it up. I did turn it in and I did flunk out. And I think I've been <laughs> banned from the school. So you know, things are really, things are really going well for me. <laughs> Real talk is really, you know, really hitting on all cylinders these days, guys. An F, <laughs> and then they also just dismissed you from school. That it's like, is, that's it's like the tri- well, no, it's, it's the trifecta. It's the, you got it's the trifecta. The F kicked out of school and banned from the school. You got to get all three. <laughs> Not even you like when campus. they tried to ban you from the school. Where you did you try to quit before they they banned you? Kind of like what what our friend Chris did at Best Buy when he was getting fired. Oh yeah, I tried. I said they're like, "You are per." I said, "I quit. I, I quit school. I resigned. I resigned, guys." He just wasn't ready for that second punch to come through when it was like, "Well, yeah, that's fine that you quit, but you're also banned from campus." <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked you guys. Uh, I forgot as well. I asked you guys if you had any feedback from the last episode, and I actually literally had some feedback today from. Um, uh, Kyle, who joined us for the Harry Potter episode, and um, her son and my son go to the same daycare, and we ran into each other as I was leaving. She said, "Hey, I I wound up listening to y'all summer blockbuster episodes. They were they were really good." And she said, um, "Whenever you were talking about not including Gladiator in your list of the early two thousands, she was like, I, I I think I was going to have something against you, but in your slithering ways, you." came in and and were lying to the audience and wound up including it in your list, which was good. But then Gabe, she also had some feedback for you too. She said, uh, also (laughs) she said, uh, she said in, in, in Gabe, you know, hosting that episode and, and trying to take us back to the early two thousands was, was interesting. She said, (laughs) um, I would have, uh, I probably would have, first of all, talked about 9-11 as well. Uh, Consider it's probably the biggest event, you know, in any of our lifetimes. But uh, she was like, yeah, you know, random R&B singers and random movies. That's good, too. <laughs> so, anyway. I'm here for everyone's amusement. <laughs> well, we actually have a special guest joining us tonight. Pretty and we are very excited to have this gentleman join us. It's been a while since we've had a guest on, and he's actually been a loyal listener, and I wound up talking to him quite a bit on social media. One of the things I can say about this gentleman is I really love his passion for film. And I'll often say, as you know, social media is a very toxic place most of the time. Like, if you want to get upset about something or you want to feel down, just get on social media and read everybody's opinion trashing this or trashing that but what i love about brian is that if it's a movie somebody's made it he's willing to give it a chance it doesn't matter what it is 
Doesn't mean he's going to like all of it, but he'll watch it, and he always finds something positive in the movie. And it's just kind of a breath of fresh air. And he's very active on social media. He loves podcasts. Um, he's been on some of our – they're not technically sister shows, but I, I consider them sister shows like Father and Son and, you know, the guys from Land of the Creeps and Phantom Galaxy and uh, and on and on. So anyway, it's with great pleasure that we welcome Mr. Brian Scott, a.k.a. Horror Movie Fanboy, to the podcast tonight. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Wesley. I'm so honored to join you guys. And that was a great compliment you just gave because that's kind of the motto I live my life by. Uh, when I'm on social media, if I don't agree with something, I'm just not going to say anything. I only want to be positive about things and celebrate. I like to celebrate cinema. And if I don't like a movie, that's fine. I'm not going to go online and rip about it. I just want to celebrate the good stuff out there and be positive. And I'm really honored to join your podcast, guys. I've really been enjoying these reviewing the new episodes that you've been doing over the past year or so, a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have a couple of things here that I wrote down knowing that I was coming on here. And Wesley, I really enjoyed your um, review of the Northmen and the reviewing the new episode. I agree with you, Robert Eggers, man. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, he loves his history and great cinematography. And I think it was uh, my buddy Gabe over there said Lost City that he watched on, I think it was maybe Netflix or Hulu or something. But uh, was a, this was a remake of Romancing the Stone. You hit the nail on the head, Gabe. This was Romancing the Stone 2022. <laughs> Which and I then, also love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was great. And then, so I've just been enjoying the episodes, and thank you so much, guys. Can't wait to hear you guys chat about some reviewing the new tonight. Well, Brian, we want to kind of introduce you a little bit more to the audience, and some of the people obviously recognize you from our Facebook group or from Twitter, and then, of course, we have some of our sister shows that listen to us as well. But if you would, just what maybe maybe give us one or two of your, your favorite uh, – yeah, give us two. Give us a couple of your all-time favorite movies, just something you can watch over and over again. Well, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm an 80s kid. You know, I was born in the mid-'70s, so I'm an 80s kid. Rent movies on VHS with my sister. My parents, God love them. They let me rent anything. You know, I'm <laughs> – Written Friday the 13th, whatever I wanted to rent, you know, 80s comedies, John Hughes movies, anything. But a, a movie snuck up on me, and me and my wife both really fell in love with this. For me, uh, some of my favorite movies are movies that, and one of these tonight we're going to talk about, are movies that on the first watch, I think, man, those are that's a good movie. But then on a rewatch and then another watch, it just gets better and better every time I watch it. And one of these movies is The Wolf of Wall Street, mm -hmm. a Martin Scorsese movie with uh, Leo and Jonah Hill. And it's a great cast. Rob Reiner is the dad. Chickens are going to come home to roost. Whatever the <laughs> that means, he says. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street is so witty and so amazing. Uh, my number two favorite movie of all time is The Shining, 1980. Mm. This thing is a masterpiece, and I remember you guys covered this maybe like last year. I think we did with Doctor Shock. Yep. Yeah, 
And man, the shining is just amazing. I love um, Django Unchained. I'm a big Tarantino fan. And Django Unchained is another one that I saw in the theater and walked out. It was like, mm, you know, maybe my number five Tarantino movie. Nope. It's my number one now. After rewatches, this movie was amazing and jumped up. And then I, I'm a big David Fincher fan. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies oh, yeah. of his is Gone Girl. One that people don't talk about much, but I think Gone Girl is a very intense thriller. I mean, to be in the situation that Ben Affleck's in in this movie would be terrifying. I mean, she was demented. And then, <laughs> you know, horror movie fanboy on Twitter here. So you, I got a list off like Day of the Dead, 1985, Return of the Living Dead, 1985, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, 1984, Black Christmas, the original Chainsaw. I mean, there's so many out there. But one movie I'm going to throw in. One movie, just because this is not a horror podcast, it's a cinema podcast. So let me throw in, there was a movie, and I think it was maybe 2014, I really liked, called This Is Where I Leave You. Mm. Directed by Sean Levy, starring Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, uh, a myriad of actors. Has anyone seen that one? Really good movie where the family comes home after the father dies. It's a Jewish family. It's a comedy it has a lot of tear-jerking moments, but this is where I leave you. It was a great movie as well. So that's kind of my where I round out my cinema. Gotcha. Stuff like that. First of all, I can say great picks, except for if I'm David Fincher, I've got to go with Zodiac, but that's just a different story. Uh, but yeah, as a chicken amazing. owner, I did want to clear something up for you because <laughs> when the chickens come home to roost, let me just tell you, that means they're coming home to sleep in their little chicken pen. Uh, <laughs> okay. I can tell you that personally as a guy who's owned six <laughs> chickens in his life. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, Rob Reiner was great in Wolf of Wall Street, always throwing in a little bit of knowledge, trying to keep Jordan in his place because he's out of control. Everything goes to his head in that movie. <laughs> well, I love what you said, just kind of about sometimes it takes multiple watches to really get the full effect of the film mm-hmm. and and one that it's not that i didn't like the movie i actually did like it but it was not on really on my radar as this is potentially a masterpiece until i watched it several times was john carpenter's the thing oh god and yes it took several several times for me to really really appreciate it like i do now and uh but yeah, I loved how you mentioned that. But that was the consensus when that movie came out. John Carpenter almost was deflated. He thought this was going to be my masterpiece after Halloween. Sure, mm-hmm. he made the fog in between, but you know, he thought, man, these special effects and this movie is going to be amazing. And it was not well received at all by critics or audiences, which I can't mm-hmm. believe. And look at it now, one of the most beloved. 80s horror movies out there yep absolutely yeah well let's uh let's move on let's get into our reviews tonight and again audience these reviews are going to be spoiler free and where you can you know each host is a little bit different on the way that we review films but feel free to throw out a rating of of however you like to rate movies but the the main thing is is we're just wanting to let the audience know is this something that that they can bank on to go out and see and really enjoy their time. So, um, or do they need to avoid it? So Brian, you're the guest of honor tonight. Why don't you kick us off and, uh, let's go with one of the movies you brought. What would you bring for us? 
Well, I got one movie, like like I said before, horror, horror movie fanboy. So I'm going to lean towards that side of it. And I have a movie that came out earlier this year, but let's go with one that just teeters on horror, I guess. And it, this movie just came out maybe 10, 12 days ago. It's Prey, P-R-E-E-Y. Um, just hit Hulu. And this is a movie in the Predator franchise. I'm wondering if anybody got to catch this one before I talk about it. But yes, I think I'm all pumped. of us has seen it. Oh, awesome. 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 I haven't seen it, but oh, okay. uh, I really want to see hey, it. man, I thought you had seen it. Okay. Bad. I'll, I'll let oh, yeah. you know before you start the review. Me and Wes have very differing opinions on this, so maybe it'll be fun to battle it out after, uh, on this review. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this movie is labeled as an action sci-fi movie, but, you know, many horror fans would put the Predator franchise in the horror category, but it is just an action sci-fi movie. Directed by Dan um, Trenchenberg, which I've never heard of. And actually, he directed 13 Cloverfield Lane with John Goodman, which is kind of a movie. Yeah, me too. I thought it was a terrific movie. And that's really about all he's done. He hasn't done much. But um, there's one star of this movie, a girl, Amber Mindhunter, which played the main girl. Uh, I I don't have a synopsis for this one like I do my other movie, but I'll just wing it here. And this is in the Predator franchise, and it centers around the Comanche Indian tribe. And I believe it may be set a little north of the U.S. border in Canada. I'm not sure about that, though. But this tribe, this movie is a timepiece. It's taken place about 300 years ago. So this is a prequel to everything the Predator franchise has ever done. And just like the first Predator movie and kind of storyline throughout, a ship lands in the wilderness and the Predators, uh, a Predator, I should say, come out, comes out to play. And a predator main, Predator's main goal is they just want to hunt the game. It's like a sport to them. This is kind of a running theme through the movies. And this movie is... Um, sorry here. I'm just looking up a little thing here and, uh, there's a lot of gore in this movie. There's a lot of suspense. And this is why I was surprised it wasn't labeled horror because there is a lot of gore in this movie. There's a lot of story building around the, uh, kind of the lore of the, um, predator movies. And there's a lot of, a lot of animal interaction in this movie. There's a really cool scene where the predator attacks a bear, like a grizzly bear, holds him up. And you know how the predator has a cloaking device. So the blood of the bear kind of rolls down around him and shows his outline. So this is a lot One of, of the a coolest mi- Yeah, that, that part's awesome. And the, sorry, I'm kind of my phone crashed out on me here i was trying to read something here okay and then here's what i like about the predator franchise right here the clicking sound of the predator it goes back to the 1987 movie when i was you know i was like a preteen running this on vhs and i watched it over and over and that clicking sound is amazing so when he's when the predator's first introduced and you hear that sound it just takes you back to the 1987 you know arnold schwarzenegger type movie 
when um, the predator enters the forest and hunts down the people. This is basically a reboot, remake of the original Predator movie where it's a predator hunting down people in a forest setting. And that's what I liked about it because when you go on to Predator 2 after 1987, it was in a city setting. Then you have Alien vs. Predator 1 and 2, which part 1 was pretty good. Part 2 started out good, wasn't great. Then you have Predators with, um, you know, Adrian Brody, where they're dropped into kind of the, the Predator planet or whatever. Then you have The Predator in 2018 or 19, which I thought, man, this franchise is dying quickly. It really is dying. But this was a breath of fresh air on this movie when it hit Hulu. And it's a real shame because I thought, you know, all these Predator sequels in the franchise had went to theaters. And the one movie that didn't make it to the theater was maybe the best one since 1987. What a shame. Because <laughs> that point. should have been a hit in the box office. Now, I, one more fact, one more thing I want to tell you before I hand it over to you guys. I know you guys saw it. Is when you go to stream on Hulu, if you go down to the options, there this movie was filmed with... Uh, you know, native characters, actors, but they did speak in English, I believe, when filming it. But yet, there's an English dub over it, which is really weird. I'm not really sure how that worked. But then there's a Comanche dub where they brought in actually Comanche um, people from the tribe, and they dubbed another voiceover. So there's multiple language options for this movie. A lot of people prefer the Comanche version, but I'm going to say on a second viewing, I watched with my son and he, he didn't want to read anything. He's eight. So I, I, we put it on the English dub version. It's just fine. So, hey Ryan, yeah. Real quick, I was just going to add in what you were talking about with the uh, Comanche dialect. I think that's the first time I, I, I read it was the first time that dialect has actually been um, used mm-hmm. or dubbed over in, in a film. Which is yep, pretty cool. I've read that too. That was interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to hand it over to you guys. Sorry. I was stumbling along through that. So I was stumbling along through that review. I wasn't quite ready because I, I was going to make that my second movie. But anyway, carry no, on, no, guys. But I, Hey, I, I, I like the excitement in talking about Prey. You know, I it's yeah, one of the I, first movies. I'm not a horror fan, Brian. And when I, because yeah. that's what I'm on here for. I'm the other person. But when I watch a horror movie that I love, and I've watched two here very recently, and and Prey was one of them. I was, I, but I love creature features, so I was pretty pumped all day. I was telling uh, Tommy and Wes, I was like, "It's Prey Day," and they were like, "What is that?" And they, you know, they acted <laughs> like they didn't care. But Wes went and watched it, so you know, I made his commitment to Prey Day. But um, man, I agree with you. And with the clicking, Brian, I like how it's like silent, and they're out in the woods. So when you hear the clicking in this movie, it's a little bit more frightening. Uh, you know, it's it kind of harkens back to the original, and I agree with everything you said. I think it's the second best movie since the original. I thought about it a while. I love that second cheesy movie, but you know, um, but I, I I'll tell you all I'll say about it is, I think it's a cool plot to to put the Indians in there because they were the ultimate warriors back then, and it's like pitting the ultimate warriors in their environment, which is what one. You, you know, what almost beat us in the war was because they were fighting in their own environment. But then to throw a predator in there, I the other thing I'll say about this is um, Tommy introduced me to a movie called Apocalypto. And I feel like this movie kind of has an apocalypto vibe. He's like, you got to check this out. 
And I felt like that. It was like it just kept movie. the yeah. The beginning is kind of slow, but then it, it it just keep once it starts running, it just keeps running. You know, there's the bear scene. There's tons of scenes with them fighting the predator and everything, and it just builds and builds to the end. And I I thought it was awesome. I know Gabe wants me to to join into this, so I'm going to hop in here real quick and without because I don't want to talk through too much of it because obviously yeah, T-Man hasn't seen it, and I don't want our our, our audience that hasn't seen it to be spoiled for them either. But, you know, what Brian was talking about, how it kind of harkens back to the original Predator movie, it, it does. And I really like that. Now, I know T-Man, and just like Gabe said, T-Man likes Predator 2 quite a bit. I could never really get into Predator 2. I did not really like the Alien versus Predator films. Oh, heck yeah. Predator 2, man. Now we're talking. I knew yeah, I knew you. Were, I knew you liked that one. I mean, Gary, have you seen Danny Glover versus? A oh no, it's a fun movie. How can you? It's a different it's, kind of movie. That it's a great like movie, a... especially when you're about six beers in. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's that typical gritty cop movie. So I like the violence in Predator too, but it is definitely it was a big step down from Part One, though. We'll have to admit, for me but, at least. I went into this one. I did not watch The Predator because I heard it was so bad and those trailers were awful. I didn't hate the Adrian Brody. I, didn't, I was going to say film. that. I didn't, I didn't hate, hate that it. film. It was, could, it was just could, okay. Yeah, you could tell the franchise was still dying, but it was okay for what it was. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was just all right. And, um, it was definitely better than the Alien versus Predator films. But anyway, so uh, I, I wasn't for sure if I was going to watch Prey, but I didn't really have anything going on that night. And I was just like, you know what? I could use a little creature feature. I could use a little Prey bit of, of Predator in my life. And so uh, I just started it. Prey Day and... is not a thing. <laughs> Hashtag Prey Day. <laughs> well, one of the things that I've I've kind of done, there's – and I think the audience can identify with this. There's so much stuff to watch. And as adults, we have very limited time to watch a bunch of stuff. So if something is not grabbing my attention after 30 or 45 minutes these days, I'm just turning it off. Like, I, you know, so I want to, if a movie catches me, I'm going to go ahead and finish it, which ultimately means I'm probably going to like it pretty well. So I was watching Prey. It, it grabbed me. I really liked the simplicity of the story and was really identifying with the Comanche tribe and, and things like that. So it was going along really good. It gets to a point where some settlers come into play. And all I'll say is that it kind of the film lost me for about 30 minutes or so. I just didn't like the way that was executed it kind of took me out of it and i kind of felt like we went from this really kind of unique simple story i was like okay where are they gonna go next how are you know they there's this predator out there you know they're running around with with spears and stuff like how are they gonna take this thing down and then we get to the settlers and it just kind of gets a little a little gimmicky i guess i I could say it's was very predictable all through there. And then it kind of comes back around where we get a good finale. But I hated that that kind of that took me out of it and really felt like I wish they would have done something different with the story. That's that's all I wanted to say. I ultimately enjoyed the film and recommend a one time watch. But it, it kind of went from, oh, man, I'm really liking this, too. Ah, that was all right. I, I hate to completely disagree with Wes, but. 
you know, it's just like his review of War of the Worlds when he was commenting on Tommy's thing. It's I think that's when the movie started hitting its hardest. And I think the end of World of the Worlds is when it that movie started hitting its hardest. And me and Wes, I guess, just don't see the same things. <laughs> are your eyes not so you got I, I think like, I think we're seeing different things. I don't know. I don't know different. at this point. Different eyes. Interesting. Okay. Well, the settlers were there for one reason to get killed. Exactly, yeah. and, and that, it was awesome. They they needed like, a body count, and that was it. Look, if I'm watching a Predator movie, I want to see it at the end. Go ahead and kill some settlers. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what we're arguing about here. What what is a Predator? Yeah, a Predator is good for one thing, and that's to kill settlers. Yeah, kill settlers. They killed Buffalo, but let's not get too deep into the movie. They were <laughs> well, they got guys, you, they got their comeuppance. You sold me. I want to see it. I haven't watched it yet, but it sounds like something I'll enjoy. Yeah, you'll like it. I think you'll you'll definitely like it. It's 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 a solid movie. So look, if you want creatures and Indians and settlers versus a predator, this is your movie. That, that's the movie for you. I want to well, see them all. I want to see them all. <laughs> all those things combined sounds great. Yeah, there you go. I'm excited. Well, Brian, that was a good review of the film. We appreciate that. So let's move along. And T-Man, won't you hop in here and uh, and give us your first movie? All right, guys. So first movie of the night that I'm going to review. Um, let's go with the 2022 biographical music drama directed by our favorite Australian director, Baz Luhrmann. And we're talking about Elvis. Yes. So this is, uh, oh, so we got Wes is enjoying it, I feel like. I, I think that was a yes I, I heard from him. Yeah. Uh, so this I, stars Tom Hanks as the notorious Colonel Parker, Austin Butler as, of course, Elvis Presley. And I'll just kind of say this. If, if you've seen a Baz Luhrmann film, which, of course, he's done Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet in Australia and The Great Gatsby. He hasn't really directed that many movies. You know what you're getting with Elvis, which is really, I wouldn't say over the top, but close to being over the top. Very flashy, glitzy, kind of, you know, fat, lots of editing, just kind of in your face. Some people like it, some people don't. He has a very distinct visual style. You know what you're getting when you see a Baz Luhrmann film. I personally have always really enjoyed his movies. So going into it, I thought I would like Elvis. And, um, you know, I really did. I mean, it's a great movie. And it's one of these movies that I think, of course, people kind of were looking forward to it. The previews were pretty good. But just from its staying power at the box office, it's word of mouth from people I've talked to. People really seem to love it, and that's great to hear. You know, it's one of the rare adult movies since COVID that has become like a bona fide hit at the box office. And I loved it personally. Of course, I'm a big Elvis fan, but just to give you a little backstory, because of course most people know Elvis Presley, the movie really kind of focuses on three distinct periods in his life. You know, him coming up through the you know late 1950s and in the in that scene of southern i guess you can call it southern rock mixed with you know r&b from the memphis memphis scene then it goes into his big 1968 comeback special and then it ends with his you know long time decade plus period in um las vegas where he kind of you know had the the Elvis that we kind of really know with all of his, you know, rhinestones and the glitz and glamour, of course, in that era. 
And so the movie's pretty straightforward. The narrative's pretty straightforward. And I think really what sets us apart is Boz Lerman's direction and the great performance by Austin Butler, who's really, it's really a star-making performance. You know, he hasn't been in many movies. I think he was in a little role as, I think, as Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But, you know, he may not look exactly like Elvis, but that's okay because he gets the persona. He gets the the heart and soul from him, I, I believe. You really believe he gets the voice down. He gets the movements down, which is just as important, if not more important than the voice. He looks like Elvis. By the end of the movie, I forgot it was not Elvis, actually. So I really enjoyed uh, his performance. I really hope he gets nominated for Best Actor. I really think he will. And then you've got Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker. Very divisive performance. I've seen the movie twice now, and I I did like his performance more on the second time. I've heard some people say they didn't like it. Like I think, Wes, you said you weren't a big fan of it. I've heard people say they really liked it. I think it's a choice. I do appreciate when actors have a choice. Like they make a choice with a performance, whether it works or not. Um, I think it will be everybody's own personal choice on that. So I don't want to go too far in depth on it. I mean, like I said, the plot's pretty straightforward. You know what you're getting. It is an Elvis film with all the great music, all the great costumes, great direction. Highly recommend you going to see it. I don't know if you know you guys see it, Wes. I know you have. If you have any other feedback you want to put in there. This is a fantastic movie. Like I was extremely pleased with this movie and you've really hit on all of the the main notes of the film. Austin Butler was absolutely fantastic. It's been a while since I've really seen that just amazing performance. And this, he just, like you said, he just nailed all of that. Um, The movie I felt it's very clunky for the first 20 minutes. And honestly, I was a little bit worried. I really don't like the way that they kind of, they, they come in and try and, and pick the story up. It's just, like you said, it's Boz Lorman style. It takes a little bit to get settled. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely like Boz Lorman on overdrive for the first like 20 minutes. Yeah. I wish he would have toned it down (laughs) just a little, which I had a feeling like once it started, I was like, Oh, this is what he's doing. It is like, it, it takes you a little bit. Yeah. You're right. Wes. I think the second half, it really settles down and finds its groove. It does. It does. And it's not quite as, as crazy flashy, you know, like it is at the very beginning. Again, if he would have just toned it down a little bit, there wouldn't have been such an adjustment period. But But, again, it was, it was only about 20 minutes. The movie is what, two and a half hours long, I think. Um, yeah, almost three. Yeah, it, even longer than that. So that's way beyond Wes's capacity. Well, it wasn't this time. If it's a really good movie, I'm I'm okay with. But I love these types of of films. These you know adult dramas based on these real life characters. And Elvis is such a, a tragic figure because of um, the humble beginnings to ultimately becoming the biggest star in the world, and then you know his his untimely you know death and his basically demise um over the last you know few years of his life so the movie does a great job with all of that uh one other thing i'll 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 say about the the film itself is when t-man was talking about the over the topness um there's all these stories about the way that that women would react to people like frank sinatra and the beatles and Elvis, back in the day, there's a story about Frank Sinatra that, you know, these teenage girls would get to the venues 
hours in advance to watch his show and they wouldn't leave the seat because they were afraid that somebody would take their seat. So they would just sit there and literally pee themselves because they were refusing to move from the seat. That is pretty interesting. But are you talking about Frank Sinatra? You're talking about real talk fans. Well, yeah, real, real talk fans. They do the same. They they just sit and and we apologize. We kept waiting for six weeks for another episode, but, um, but a lot of pee in that seat. That it's a lot. And, um, But I love the way that that he kind of over the top in in a kind of a joking way whenever Elvis is doing his movements for the first time and the women's reaction and the way that oh, the camera that was zooming awesome. up, I was cracking up. It is it was, incredible. Yeah. It was based on, you know, people had not seen that type of stuff before, which I get, but it was it was just so it was funny, but also yeah. good at the same time. Well, in that in that scene, I, I read quite a bit about the movie kind of afterward. And that seems like a real performance that he gave at that. I can't remember what it's called, but it was a basically kind of a southern country television mm-hmm. show based in Arkansas. But yeah. yeah, you're right, Wes. That's when Bos Lerman's at his best, and it's an awesome scene. And the movie really takes off after that. I think it, that's when it really yep, starts to sure. starts finding its groove. Kind of fine as it's. It's like almost like in a way, maybe he did it on purpose. It's almost like you make a good point because it's almost like, you know, the movie finds its footing alongside Elvis because that's really the 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 performance that he's like. He becomes Elvis. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And then this isn't really like a spoiler for the movie because obviously it's based as much on Elvis's life, but. One of his last performances that he, he did was there in Vegas, and he covered, which I don't know who originally wrote the song. Uh, I know the Righteous Brothers made it very famous, Unchained Melody, which is just an excellent, excellent song. And Elvis does a fantastic cover of it as well. And I love how the movie blends Austin Butler and it's like mm-hmm. it just kind of fades sure. into the actual Elvis ending. performance. It's just, I, I mean, I was just when when a movie kind of just makes you f- have all of these types of emotions. I always say that the movie is doing its job, and that right there, like I kind of had like the kind of like hair standing up on the back of my neck, and it was it was sad, but it was also so beautifully sung and knowing that was kind of like his last performance. Like it's just great. So ultimately love the movie and, uh, really, really encourage our audience to go see it. Sorry. I talked so long on it, but I just don't normally get that excited over, over newer. No, films. no, that's, I really, it's I really love you. And I would say, um, you know, as this episode is coming out, I mean, I think Elvis is still in theaters. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watched it, and actually I think it just came out on VOD also, I would recommend people seeing in theaters, because yep, it is a absolutely. big screen movie. You know, you got great performances. The costuming is amazing. The performances are awesome. The, the production design. Yeah. Everything about it is like highest level, a plus level filmmaking. Um, it, it's really like, it's kind of like one of these movies that we've been talking about that we've kind of missed, you know, not just a blockbuster comic book movie or anything, but like an adult, big budget, big screen movie. That's really good. And Elvis is that, so for sure, go watch it. All right. Any anything else on Elvis before we move on to Gabe's movie? Well, you sold me completely. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'm a big Elvis fan myself, and uh, my my wife's dying to see this movie, so I'll be joining her with it. And uh, a lot of good things you guys said. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, let us know what you think awesome. whenever you check it out. Yeah, we'll do. 
All right, Gabe. Hit us with All the right. first movie. I'm see you guys have hit hit us with like two really good movies, and I'm gonna slap you with a, the most six out of ten movie <laughs> that I can ever smack a podcast with. But I was really pumped about this movie. Believe it or not, like I know it's silly, but Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite Marvel movies. And so when I hear Thor, Thor Love and Thunder's coming out, uh, it's got the same director. I was I was pumped. In fact, you know, I was gone and it's the first movie I came back and made myself see. But let me describe this movie for you with one quick, easy way. And one of my favorite shows, How I Met Your Mother, they used to have this line. It was like called the Ewok line. And if you were born before a certain date in the 1980s, you loved the Ewoks or, yeah, you thought the Ewoks were cute and cuddly. And if you're born after the day, you didn't like the Ewoks. And so basically that's that's actually been a dividing thing amongst Star Wars fans. <laughs> for sure. For are sure. You a, great, great point. That that's hilarious. Ewoks are you are you an are Ewok awful. fan, Brian, or no Ewok fan? I am an Ewok fan because I was born in nineteen seventy six, so I'm an Ewok <laughs> fan. But if you're born after you I don't know. I, I love them. I don't care. I love them. I just gotta ask, how did those Ewoks de- defeat this empire that somehow took over the entire universe? <laughs> that, Let's not get so into ridiculous. Star Wars command. That doesn't it's, make a yeah. lot of sense to me. I could talk 30 minutes on this, but let's not derail it that much. Yeah, that's not derail. <laughs> let's not go down this rabbit hole, Tommy. But I'm just um, talking about, man, those Ewoks, that just, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm sorry. Teddy Bears say... took down the greatest, the two of the greatest villains of all time, the Emperor and <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Incredible and it's these damn Care Bears. <laughs> yeah, but they have, they have the Num Num song at the end of the original version. Number. Right, they, they, they have, doesn't even out in the new look, version. No, a, they a, cut it hate, out. I'm so mad. George hate, Lucas destroyed our childhood. Anyway, yeah, right, I so. hate to go on a parallel <laughs> down this path, but it's like Prey, Tommy. You haven't seen Prey yet. These Indians are in their natural environment. These Ewoks are in their natural environment. That's how they got the traps and everything. I mean, Wait. technically, the Indians are in all of our natural environments, <laughs> but anyway. Actually, we're it, in their natural environments. Right. This is gone. This is gone. I got, I said my <laughs> We're off the rails. <laughs> go back to the review. So what I was basically saying is there's this Ewok line. And so I'm going to make a line for Thor. If you like Screaming Goats, this is the movie for you. But if you don't think Screaming Goats is funny, this is probably not the movie for you. I don't know if I was in a bad mood that day, but Screaming Goats just really didn't hit home for me. What I will say about this movie, I'll give you just like the quick synopsis, is basically it has take it has the third best, maybe second best overall Marvel villain in it, and it's played by Christian Bale. It's it's an amazing villain, maybe the best one you'll see in any Marvel movie. But more than Thanos, he's good, um, and he's got this god killing necro sword, and he's going after all these gods, and he's basically the whole movie is he's trying to kill them. And Thor's trying to live and stop him. Plot over. But, um, nah, what, I, what I'll say about the movie is, you know, it has what, this great villain. And I really like uh, Chris Hemsworth. But I just don't think it hit. I don't think, I think the plot was a little off. I don't think the jokes hit as much as Thor Ragnarok. And it could be my expectations because I love Thor Ragnarok so much and I wanted this movie to be good. So that's my six out of 10. Go see it if you like Thor. And Screaming Goat. I'm not surprised to hear that review because my son and his friends, they're about 17, came home. Whoa, you got to see this movie. It's amazing. 
and I'm kind of like, I think it was Wesley or maybe it was T-Man that said kind of getting Marvel fatigue and I'm kind of with that, but I'm going to give this movie a watch with an open mind, but I don't expect much out of of it as well. You go in six out of 10, you'll be happy. Just want to watch the match one day. That's the movie for you. There you go. When it hits Disney plus, I'll give it a watch. We'll see. I will definitely be skipping this one. Um, I'm not much of a Thor fan. I've not seen any of the Thor movies from beginning to end. So see guys, after we thought maybe I was a comic book fan, the last episode, we're back to where we ought Your to true be. Colors are my true color, my colors. true Slytherin colors Slytherin are colors. I'm with yeah. you, Wesley. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm not a Marvel universe fan. That's me too. <laughs> I've, I, I, I'm just not, I, I can, I can bow down and say, Hey, they built a billion dollar franchise, all props to them. And my kids absolutely love them. And I'll watch them with them, but it's nothing I'd watch on my own. I agree. Yeah. And I would say Gabe, just to kind of jump off your review, I I saw it also. And, you know, I really like Thor Ragnarok. And I think this one is a lot like Thor Ragnarok. It just doesn't work as well. Uh, I think Gabe, you're exactly right. It's got a great Christian bell performance. I mean, awesome Christian Bell performance. One of the best Marvel villains they've ever done. The storyline around it, though, doesn't make it just it's kind of, you know, there's not a lot of depth to it. It's not there's just not a lot to it. Basically, the jokes don't hit as much. I kind of think it's kind of like what we've talked about before with James Gunn. I think we talked about this in the Suicide Squad in a reviewing the new last year where James Gunn directed Guardians of the Galaxy. And when he's kind of under the Marvel umbrella, he's really good. But when he goes full James Gunn, it's a little too much. Well, I feel like with this movie, Taiki Waikiki, who directed who directed it and wrote it, even though he's under the Marvel umbrella, when he's kind of when he was under, doing Thor Ragnarok, it was really good. But I think he went like full Taiki, as I kind of call it, and it's just too much, too many bad jokes that he wrote. It, it kind of looks cheap sometimes, so it's it's just not great. But all that being said, it's still an enjoyable comic book movie. Right. I still had fun with it. It's just not the best one Marvel has done. That's that's why I gave it a six. Yeah, I think six is a perfect, perfectly good review. I think six or or a seven at the most if you're feeling feeling nice uh, for that day. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to sound like a Marvel hater. Uh, uh, go back yeah, on Ryan's West, starting to sound West. like a Marvel hater here, my friend. No, no. Team West. <laughs> West already built me up as somebody that loves every movie. So, it, yeah. What, oh, hey, what is going on here? I feel yeah. like there, there's some kind of a there's some deception. Did, West, did you tell? Did you he might be Ron a deception to bash Marvel movies. And now yeah. brought him on to back me up. He's a horror movie fan. He's hating Marvel. <laughs> West is tired yeah. of West is tired of Gabe and me talking about comic movies. Now I see how it goes. <laughs> We've been talking about Saw a lot lately. West is trying to get a protege. I will admit though, what you said, um, Taika Waititi is amazing, and I didn't know he, he he wrote and directed this movie. That's great. He 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 was hilarious. And have you seen the Free Guy? I think you guys may have yeah. actually reviewed that. And, He's in Free Guy. He wrote, yeah. Directed, yeah Thor Ragnarok we, this one, and I don't yeah. know if you've seen what we do in the shadows, but he wrote, yeah, great, he uh, of course, uh, yeah, fantastic movie and TV show. So good. And, Free. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, one more comment was you mentioned. Gardens of the Galaxy, that's actually a Marvel movie that that one and Deadpool are the two that I really gravitate towards because there's a lot of comedy 
in those very movies. Good. They're both very yeah, good. Yeah. I, I just absolutely love those. But when you get to like the Avengers type stuff, I mean, they're worth a watch, but they're very formulaic to me. So. Earth is looking for other life. Starship Journeyer has been recalled, only to be captured by the Ubide alien race of incredible intellect and ally of the Dirths, our carnivorous yet intelligent reptilian race. Captain Cage was abducted. Crew members Eva Cusping and Enrico Dalgez were caught between two warring kingdoms. Captain Cage and Eva Cusping discover a secret about themselves. One will feel rage, the other enlightenment. Humans and other races go on a desperate journey while relentlessly hunted. Are we alone in the universe? Is there a god? What does the future hold? Do you really want to know? You just heard the YouTube trailer for author Stephen Couch's epic sci-fi book series, Shadowed Stars. If you're a regular listener of Real Talk, you've heard a lot about Shadowed Stars. You know that book one, Shadowed Stars, and book two, The Reign of the Black Guard, are available now. But great news, because book three, Children of Home, is coming soon. And we'll be talking with Stephen about book three on an upcoming episode of our interview series. For those of you who are new to Shadowed Stars, head over to ShadowedStarsBooks.com. You'll be able to get the latest information on the series, learn more about author Stephen Couch, read his short stories, and find direct links to purchase the books. Again, that's ShadowedStarsBooks.com. And speaking of books, Stephen has eight numbered books planned in the series, with more unnumbered ones to follow. And I love what Stephen is doing with the characters, as there are different characters between the odd and even-numbered books, with some cameos mixed in. This keeps the story arcs fresh and the pages turning. Keep in mind, Shadowed Stars is for a mature audience with mature thinking, which is different from most of the stories you get in the sci-fi and fantasy realm. So, are we alone in the universe? Is there a God? What does the future hold? There's only one way to find out. Go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes Store, wherever you get your books, and start your journey into the Shadowed Stars universe. All right. That was Gabe's review of yet another freaking Marvel movie that is out. So I will go More next. More to come, my boy. More to come. They More never to come. End. Never, never going to end. What did Tim Burton do? Um, Got us started with all these comic book films. Well, I guess technically uh, the Superman did, but uh, who was that? Tim Burton kind of started the, the yeah. Neil yeah, the Forzod. Yes, I kept Richard Donner, right? Didn't yeah, Richard yeah. Donner. Oh, that's did. who I was yeah. trying yeah. to think of. I right, the original. So I, yep. I guess he really did. But anyway, all right. I'm going to give you guys a quick review of the only movie that I brought tonight, which is The Black Phone. And I don't really consider this a regular horror film. It's more of a, a thriller, and it kind of fits into what I like to refer to as the kids on bikes movies, which there's been. Quite a few of those in this vein, like Summer of 84, the It Chapter 1, several others that are kind of in this realm. Um, I was drawing a blank on. Yeah, like Stranger Stranger Things or Stranger Things. Super 8. Yep. 
those types of movies. It, it's kind of in that vein. It's a little bit darker than than some of that that I just talked about, but it's still kind of in that uh, in that vein. But it was directed by Scott Derrickson, who most horror fans will recognize for doing Sinister, and he's done several other um, movies. And <clears throat> this movie has got quite a bit of attention. Number one, because it's based on a short story written by Stephen King's son. And also because Sinister was such a big hit, both with critics and audiences alike. And a lot of people feel like that's over the last decade, probably one of, if not the scariest horror film, according to who you you talk to. And then it was produced under Jason Blum's Blumhouse. So it had a lot of good ingredients to make in the movie. And this movie has been a huge hit at the box office. It's over $150 million dollars. Uh, at the box office on, I think it's like a 15 or $18 million budget, which is is fantastic. Again, really glad to see that the theater is, is seems like it's slowly being revived, theatrical releases are, which I'm very happy for. Now, as far as the actual execution of the movie itself, I thought this was just a pretty good movie. This was honestly nothing special. It Some of those movies that I just named, it's just as good as those. Um that was what was a little bit disappointing to me. There was a lot made about Ethan Hawke's performance, which was was pretty pretty good. I mean, it also didn't think that it was anything special. Um, this could have also been because I had literally watched Elvis a couple of nights before I went to go see this one, and I was still on that Elvis high, which um, you know this movie just obviously I wasn't comparing it to Elvis, but after you are so excited about a film, and then you go watch another one, sometimes a little bit of a letdown. But basically, what the story goes is there is a serial murderer called the Grabber who is kidnapping young boys, and he puts them in a basement, and there is a black phone that is on the wall in the basement. He's actually rigged the basement up so it becomes pretty much a dungeon, like he can lock you down there. And he basically does a cat and mouse game with the victims and there's some supernatural elements. One of the things that I appreciated that the writer did in the short story, obviously again, being Stephen King's son, there's a clairvoyance aspect to the film, which much like Brian mentioned earlier, one of my all time favorite horror films as well, if not my favorite, the shining. And so it kind of has a little bit of those elements to it as well which kind of brings in the supernatural state. So I don't know if anybody else has seen The Black Phone. This is one of those I would probably give a maybe a six and a half, not quite a seven out of ten where I, I really enjoyed it, and not quite like a six where I was just kind of like, uh, it was just kind of right there in the middle. Just nothing special, good one-time watch, glad to see it doing well in the box office. I can't really say, yeah, go out and you know spend this amount of money to watch the film, but if you're one of those people who like to go to the theater, well, this is not the worst thing that you could you could pick to see. So has anybody else seen The Black Phone? Any opinions on it? No, I want to. I just hadn't gotten around to it. Yeah. Yeah. We we watched the black sorry T Man. Uh go ahead. No, go ahead, Brian. Okay. Uh me and my wife uh just watched this maybe maybe a month ago. We rented it for the twenty dollar early release or like two months ago. But FYI, everybody out there, it's hitting Peacock, or maybe it already has, 
at the time of this recording. Oh, yeah, you're right. And so check it out for free. It's worth a watch. And just a fun fact on this movie is Tom Savini created the mask that Ethan mm, Hawke wore, point. which I thought yep, was really cool. Point. That's pretty because, cool, yeah. Yeah, there was a crack through, like, the middle of the mask. So he always kept the bottom part of the mask, but he would change the top into, like, devil yeah. horns or something evil. Sometimes he would even go into the top half and keep the bottom half not on his face. So it was really cool, the mask provided in the movie. <clears throat> Ethan Hawke, uh, sure, he was great in the movie, but he... He was very soft-spoken and didn't really do much in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could have been played by anybody, to be honest. Right. I mean, half the scenes, which were really creepy, is he's sitting in the chair up in the kitchen. waiting. Yeah, that, that was a good he, scene. Yeah. He, so, we don't want to give away spoilers, but we know this is a kid, kid gets kidnapped type movie. He's in the basement. Well, it's not a normal one because Ethan Hawke will leave the door cracked. And almost taunting him, hey, try to escape. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he sits in the kitchen, stoic, in his chair, with a mask on, kind of waiting for the kid to escape, to come up, so he could punish him. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's naughty. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> little he, Silent uh, Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great picking up on that, Wesley, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this, this movie, uh, my, my wife wasn't a fan she said like six or seven like you i kind of went more like maybe an 8.5 i actually really enjoyed it because i love any movie set back in the 70s or 80 this might have been the 80s when this happened and so i like you know period pieces like that but i thought it was a pretty solid movie it wasn't amazing i don't think it lived up to the hype that it was given because they should have did a lot more with the grabber character. The, mm-hmm. They call him That's the grabber. Felt like the grabber. Didn't, it, yeah, it just didn't live up to it. It was kind of a kind of a, a dull performance um, by him after kind of so much being made. But again, I'm sure a lot of that was was yeah. marketing. Jason Blum has a lot of pool in Hollywood right now, um, especially Ethan Hawke. This was basically a decade, literally like ten years from Sinister being released. Now they brought Ethan Hawke back, pairing with the mm-hmm. same director. It's kind of like the gang's back together. So a lot of times they'll do that, and then ultimately the movies don't quite live up to to all. Yeah, the he was. I feel like Ethan Hawke was underused because the grabber was the horror part of this movie, but it more centered around the kid. And we didn't talk about the black phone because we don't want to talk about spoilers. Right. So there's right. another storyline going on here, but yeah, I feel like Ethan Hawke was underused because he was a really creepy character in this movie. But I still, I still really enjoyed it. I say eight point five. I say worth the rent. But hey, watch it for free right now on a, a Peacock. I think it is. So we're out and watch it. Definitely worth a watch. Good tip to save some money there, Brian. I like where your head's at. And yeah. and uh, you know, T Man, uh, T Man may uh, not like eighties movies. He, I support bumping him up a, a point. You know, T Man would subtract a point. I add a point for the genre. <laughs> for what? Yeah, you, you were talking crap. You didn't like Stranger Things. You said it was too much 80s. I know. All conversations, Tommy. That's a whole discussion. I'm pro Stranger Things. Okay, you're back in. Very Good. pro Stranger Things, guys. But well, I just want to jump in here real quick. God, right? yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I saw it too, and I enjoyed it. I think you guys, I don't really have anything additional to add. I think you guys hit it right on the head. 
It's around a seven. It's it's an entertaining rental. Watch it one time. You'll have fun with it. It's got some good, you know, good direction. It's got a couple good jump scares. It's got a good ending. Um, I'm glad it's doing well at the box office. People really seem to enjoy it, like Wes, you talked about, which is really encouraging. Uh, it's got a good bad guy in it. And it's just like a good, solid, entertaining horror film. So best way I can describe it. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's go back around here for round two. And Brian, what's the second movie you brought for us? Well, let's go straight horror here. And I'm talking the movie X, released in March, I think March 19th. So uh, this movie's been out for about four months, but I'm going to put it on reviewing the new because it was exclusively in theaters. It came out at a $20 early release rental, which I rented and I watched two times, but it's still not streaming free anywhere. So it probably will be soon. And then I say, everybody jump out and watch this movie. X directed by Ty West, an A24 movie. So you got a combination there because, you know, Ty West, the director, is known for his slow burn horror. This is a horror director. He likes a slow burn movie followed up with an exciting third act. And A24 kind of goes on those lines, so it was a perfect match, in my opinion. You know, Ty West has directed some movies in the past, like House of the Devil, which is amazing, Thin Keepers. Then he teamed up with Eli Roth for Cabin Fever 2, and Eli Roth produced Sacrament, which was a movie that Ty West made that basically was a remake of the Jim Jones story. Jim Jones, that psycho uh, cult leader, mm-hmm. basically that yep. had like 500 people drink the Kool-Aid, Really, yeah, I think it was in South America, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, where it happened, Jonestown. Exactly. And he also did uh, the last movie I'll mention of his of Ty West is in the Valley of Violence, which is outside his comfort zone. This was a western movie, mm-hmm. which strangely, solid. yeah, solid film. Yeah, it was great. Which strangely, John Travolta is like the sheriff of the town. So weird. And then Ethan Hawke again that we've been talking about. and uh, But anyway, the synopsis on this movie is, and I'll read it straight from the Google page here, a group of, a group of actors set out to make an adult film, so basically a porn, in a rural Texas, um, rural Texas town. They rent a, like a uh, side house from these two old people but when the elderly couple catches them in their naughty acts, they the teenagers find themselves in a desperate fight for their lives. So the synopsis here is, and this movie set in the late 70s, which is what I really liked about it. This movie did a, a really great job of setting, of the setting, and I think it may have been set in like 1978, maybe. And they're driving in the van. They rent like a B&B, B&B or whatever, Airbnb place. And there's an old couple, maybe in their like 70s or 80s, living in this old farmhouse. They rent out like the like side, like mother-in-law house, you know, right across the little field from them to these five people. Well, they're shooting a porn movie called um, 
oh gosh, what the heck's it called? Because it cracks me up. It's like the farmer's daughter. They're filming the <laughs> farmer's daughter. And this cast, you know, and like I said with Ty West, this is a slow burn because this is a slasher movie. And boy, it gets violent. Don't get me wrong in the third act. But the first two thirds of this movie is character development, which is Ty West is known for character development. But what I liked about this movie was I love the characters. So if you're going to develop some characters that I love, I'm all into it. You have Mia Goth, which is kind of a new actor on the scene. She was in the Superior, Suspiria remake in 2018, but she really hasn't done it much, but she's got a bright future. We have a really well-known Brittany Snow. You know, she was in Pitch Perfect trilogy. I love the Pitch Perfect movies myself. I don't know about any of you guys, but me and my daughter, I took my daughter to see all, all the Pitch Perfect movies, and Brittany Snow's great in them. And she was in a really lesser-known movie called Would You Rather with Jeffrey Combs, which is on Prime and Plex right now. I suggest anybody go run, run and watch that. It's a great suspense thriller. She's in the Prom Night remake as well. And Prom Night, yep, yep, Prom Night remake, she sure is. And then the third girl on the crew of five or six that go here is Jenna Ortega. And she's becoming really a modern scream queen in her own right, in my opinion. Jenna Ortega has been in Scream 5, Babysitter 2, Insidious 2, Studio 66, which is, by the way, just hitting stars on August 1st or September 1st, so a few days from now. And um, she was great in the movie as well. You have Kid Cudi, the rapper. Kid Cudi. See, I, I'm like the whitest guy here. I don't even know how to say it. Kid <laughs> Kim Cudi. Kid, Kid Cudi. <laughs> this guy was freaking amazing in the movie. You know, I, I don't listen to any of his rap songs. I, I didn't know who he was. I looked up his filmography. He's been a, in a ton. He's been in a ton of stuff, including he played the uh, small part in you know the Netflix movie with Leo, uh, Don't Look Up, last year mm -hmm, on Netflix? Mm -hmm. That movie was freaking amazing. I really loved it. But he played uh, the guy, the rapper that was uh, beefing with uh, uh, Ariana Grande on the oh, set yeah. when they broke up. So he, he's got a lot of comedic roles. So he's really good in this movie. And then the last one is Marty, Marty, Martin Henderson, which was uh, Noah in the Ring, the boyfriend. He played Strangers Pray at Night, the sequel to that great Strangers movie. And then Owen Campbell from Super Dark Times and a couple other things. But anyway, these six people go to this cabin, basically, and they're shooting a porno. And there's a lot of... This movie is very atmospheric. So even if you're not a horror fan, <clears throat> I think there's a lot to appreciate in this movie. I really do. Because there's an atmosphere created in this movie that's amazing. There's that, even a rendition of God, I wish I would have wrote the name of the song down because I've watched it on YouTube a few times. But uh, Bernie Snow sings a song and Kid Cudi plays the uh, guitar. And they sing a song in the cabin together. This is outside the movie shoot, just as they're hanging out, you know, smoking a joint, having a beer or whatever they're doing after shoot. And it's just a really fun, fun setup for a movie. But what happens when the two old people living in the house notices they're doing something bad they're filming a porno movie it creates a little bit of tension and the the old lady there's an old man and an old lady the old lady's named pearl and 
I won't give any spoilers here, but there's a, I'm just going to say a spinoff movie that's coming out already in production based on this movie with Pearl, the old lady. And this old lady is played by Mia Goth. The young girl from the porn, the, the main star of the movie, she puts on makeup and plays the old lady also. So we have a dual performance here with her, Mia Goth, as the porn star, one of the five or six kids that go there, and then the old lady. Well, when these old people see what they're doing, they don't approve of it. Maybe, I, I don't know, I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say it hits the fan and things go crazy at the end of this movie. It's really worth a watch to me. And this is one of those movies, the last thing I'll say about it is we rented this movie for 20 bucks right when it hit the on-demand. And my wife's like, wow, that was amazing. And I'm like, you know, I had such high expectations. I thought, you know, maybe it's like an eight or so. And then the next day I was watching YouTube videos. I'm like, let's watch that movie again. And we watched it a second time. It shot to a 10. I looked on my letterbox. This is the only movie made in the last probably 15 years that I gave a 10. I'm saying a 10 out of 10 on this movie. Wow. And I really, I really suggest anybody to watch this and look a little deeper into the movie. What's more than on the surface of this movie, because, and it's hard to talk about because I really don't want to give spoilers. I want people to watch it, but when they do, uh, let me add in, in the first 30 minutes, there's some foreshadowing of a lot of the deaths in this movie. There's a, there's a billboard behind a character and it shows how this person may die later. There's some dialogue from a person and it echoes to how they die later. This movie is very well written and every kill scene in this movie in the last third is different. <clears throat> you don't have somebody like Leatherface with a chainsaw. You have people killed in almost every different way that somebody could be killed. Like there was a lot of, uh, a lot of unique stuff going on that really blew your mind in this movie, but it just really captures the feel of the seventies perfectly for me. And I love any movie that could do that. Rob zombie does that great with like the devil's rejects. And I, I can love any movie made now that takes me back to the seventies or the eighties of my childhood. So I give this a 10. I just absolutely love it. And I suggest anybody watch it. And if you're not a horror fan, at least give it a chance when it comes out for free it's been out for four months. It should be hitting free probably soon somewhere. So, yeah, Brian, I'll just yeah, I'll just say that's a, a good detailed review of the of the film without giving you know too much of the of the story away. I, I hope um, I didn't give too much away. I really no, 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 I no. Tried not you, to. You, you you didn't. You didn't. No, you did uh, did a great job with it. And I'm also a big Ty West fan. Uh, the House of the Devil is one of my my all time favorite horror films. It's a uh, it's a he, he does such a great job at, at creating the setting of of when the movie is supposed to be, whether it was the 80s or like the 70s here. Um, I like this movie. I don't know how much I like the movie because it is a very weird film. It is extremely bizarre slasher movie. So I don't know how much I like it yet. I'm going to have to watch it again. I'm going to I'm going to watch the movie again at some point and hopefully I'll be able to nail it down. But the movie made me feel extremely weird throughout most of it. Um, but do appreciate his craft. Gabe, team in either of y'all see it. No, I hadn't had a chance. It's popped up in my queue like several times, but I just hadn't pulled the trigger. Uh -huh. I don't know. I will now. Be a fan. I will this is for definitely Brian, a straight horror. And I'll movie. tell you what I think. <laughs> T 
Team Man, have you seen X yet? He might yeah, well, you know. His, uh... Yeah, well, while he gets back on here, let me just say real fast. You know, this movie, it's just 20 more seconds. I won't take much more time of you guys. But um, what captivated me about this movie was when it was over, it was weird because I know Ty West has slow burns in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I told, my, I told my wife, I said, boy, it took a long time to get to the violence. And she said, really? Like the first half was my favorite part. And then when I watched it, I kind of focused on that a little more. And I, I think I agree. I think I kind of like the first half better. And there's no violence in the first half. Like the acting and the atmosphere that's set in here, just mm-hmm. it it just was very, very uneasy. Yeah, yeah. Very uneasy. yeah. I, I, re- I really liked it a lot. So can't well, wait to see what you guys think when you watch it. Team in if if I don't know if you've seen X or not. It looks like you're on mute now. But uh, won't you if you give us your opinion on that and then just take off with your next review? Yeah. Did you did I come through earlier? I can never tell. You, no, you didn't. Technology. Yeah, you were on. <laughs> you were on mute. <laughs> Son of this man, this damn laptop. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I've seen it. Um, I think Wes, you, I'm probably more in line with you than Brian. Though Brian, that was a great review. It's it's weird. It's I, I respect it. Don't necessarily love it. I definitely appreciate what he's going for, but not not. I th- I can tell you the difference between what I what I go for and horror. Like where like you guys are saying this is like pure horror. I kind of more align with the pop. I, I call it pop horror, which is more in the line of the black phone or the next movie I'm going to review. So this is the transition straight to that, which would be <laughs> the 2022 American <laughs> science fiction horror film written, directed and produced by Jordan Peele called Nope. So this just recently came out and, you know, based on the trailers, I was really looking forward to this movie. Didn't know how much I would love it. Now, I will say, I know Jordan Peele um, has had a lot of acclaim early in his career. I would say I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan of his first two movies. I didn't love Get Out as much as everybody, you know, as much as a lot of critics did, but I really liked it. I appreciated it. I appreciated what he was going for. Uh, Us was kind of the same way. I, I liked it, didn't love it, but I appreciate his craft, and, and I, I enjoyed watching them both one time. They're kind of like the black phone for me. Enjoyable. I enjoyed them. Don't have to necessarily watch them again, but I thought they were both good. Now with Nope, though, I think he takes he takes a big step forward, at least in my opinion, with his craft, with his ability to create, you know, big budget movies. And I really, really enjoyed Nope. It's one of my favorite movies of the year thus far. It is a, a great little science fiction horror thriller, as I described it there. It's kind of like a blend of Steven Spielberg in his E.T. Close Encounters stage with kind of a John Carpenter the thing flavor to it it's kind of you know mix those two things in a blender and and this is what you get and it's you know it's got great set pieces i agree with what the trailer says go see it on the big screen i saw it in imax and it is awesome on imax it's got some really great science fiction pieces got great performances i love the two leads i love uh, you know pretty much every actor in it and i think jordan peele has has a real eye he's got a really directorial eye that he is improving on each movie. This is his biggest budget movie by far. And you can tell also the thing about Jordan Peele is, you know, he's made each of his films. He's called in the past social thrillers. 
And I think each movie, he kind of wraps a social commentary within him. I think he's getting less overt in his social commentary. I, I read an interview with him where he even said himself, you know, audiences don't want to be hit over the head with a message. You know, they want to see an entertaining movie. And if there's some type of themes or something wedded within it, if some people want to find him out, great. If not, that's okay, too. And I think that's a smart move on his part. I think Nope is his best version of being able to wet it in without it you know hitting hitting it over the head with it and i really personally like the themes of the movie i think they're very relevant to today's world don't want to really go into them because that might ruin some of the movie because this is definitely a movie you don't want to get ruined you do not want to get spoiled you want to go in not knowing a lot about it the final thing i'll say and i really hope this doesn't ruin anything because i just said don't don't be ruined with it i really love I don't even know what I want to call it. Let's just say whatever the the bad guy, the adversary, whatever it is, I'm not even going to call it an alien or anything like that because, you know, maybe it's not. I really loved it. I think it was a great villain, I guess you'll say. That's the best way I'll put it without spoiling anything. Um, So I don't know if you guys have seen it, Gabe. I know you have. Any, you know, initial feedback off my review or anything else you want to say on that? I'm I'm in a complete agreement with you. And, you know... It's fun to say that. Love the movie. When I asked you, I asked if there was a nope scene because we've all been there. Like it happened to me two nights ago. Something was eating my cat food. I thought it was my cat. And then I looked over and I was like, nope. And I got out of the, you know, everybody's got to throw out a manly nope. You know, what's funny is that I didn't even know, realize how much I said nope until watching the movie. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) I really do say nope a lot. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Everybody loves a good manly nope. And I asked asked Tommy, I was like, are we getting a manly scared nope scene? And he goes, yeah, you're getting it. But I don't want to spoil it for you because it's great. And that's all I'll say. Um, But no, I'm in one weird camp with this movie. Like, I don't know if, and I go back and forth. And I told Tommy about this. I love the setting. I love that it's, I don't think it's like scary. It, if you're going no, in there to be scared, scary. I think they show the creature. It's too entertaining to be okay. scary. It's like pop entertainment. It's like pop horror. It's not. Yeah, but scary. I just don't want people, because I think that's the mistakes some people are making now where they're saying they don't like it as much. Like if you're going in there for, to be scared, I think they show a little too much of the creature for that to occur. That's my opinion. That's not everybody's opinion. And I waft back and forth on it, honestly, because I kind of do like the creature. So that's what we'll just call it, the creature. Creature, there we go. That's a good way to put it. But if you're going in there to be scared, I don't think this is a movie for you, but there are some scary scenes. Right, yeah. But but it's a great science fiction. The way Tommy described it to me that made me like the movie more, it's a great, it's an X-Files episode cranked up on two hours with Jordan Peele's directorship. And if you're going in there expecting that, you'll have a fantastic time. That's what it is. It's basically a big screen, big X-Files episode without, of course, Mulder and Scully. Just replace new actors. And literally, that's the... the, And I love the X-Files. That's the movie. And Gabe, you're exactly right. It's, you know, honestly, it's also like uh, old school M. Night Shyamalan. It's a lot like Signs or... Yeah. His older I compared movies. it to him when we yeah, were talking about it. I was like, I hope he doesn't turn into M. Night because Jordan's writing and directing his own movies. This is his third movie. How many do we got left, Tommy? <laughs> I was getting scared. And I was like, well, and I honestly. Yeah, Gail's you know, having a game. game guy. <laughs> I was like, how many do we have left? I no, go, no. I hope he doesn't write all of his movies. Like, I'm trying to like, I, I'm so worried. I want to protect Jordan Peele. I don't want him to, yeah. 
you know, get it I all think out. He's got a lot left in him. He's a young guy. He's 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 not even really. He's about our age, and he's looking don't, at all. Don't done. go down the M Night path. Um, but I'll just say it's it's similar to M Night in kind of how M Night films his kind of horror thrill, a lot like Signs or Village. It's like horror suspense thriller. And um, if you go in looking for that type of movie, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Uh, it's still out the big screen. I would highly recommend if you're interested in going to watch it, go watch it in the theater because it's a it's definitely a big screen movie. Yeah, it is, and it's a lot of fun. And Brian, did you have anything on this one? Man, I'm so disappointed. I tried to drag my wife to see this movie in the theaters, and I couldn't get her out to see oh, it. So man. I've been avo- I've been avoiding spoilers so much because I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. I saw Get Out and um, uh, Us in the theaters. And this actually, movie made me appreciate Get Out more, I think. I think Get Out. Because I saw Jordan Peele's direction, and I wanted to see. Uh, and then I looked, watched Get Out, you know, recently, and I was like, "Yeah, that's uh-huh. pretty good too." Yeah, he's he's a great talent. You know, we talk about we need original films, original filmmakers. And that's him. We got that's it. all he does. And I, I'm becoming a bigger fan of him as he makes more movies. I really appreciate kind of what he's doing because he's kind of just doing his own thing, which I really like. As yeah. am I. I. Just don't want him to get fizzled out. In the last five years, <laughs> I, I just he was really. really wanna... You need to send him a message. Be like, man, I'm really worried about you. I'm really worried about you. I saw what happened to M. Night. I loved M. Night's first three to five films, and then it all went downhill. Don't Please don't do that to me, Jordan. You've got me excited. You mean Lady in the Water wasn't great? (laughs) (laughs) That that super strong arm? Yeah. That's where... But yeah, I put put Jordan Peele with like Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, up-and-coming directors in the last four to five years that I really look forward to every movie they make. And he did direct three movies, but don't forget that he did write and produce, even though Nicole uh, DaCosta directed um, the Candyman 2021. And I thought that was, I, I liked that movie a lot. I thought it was I really it well shot and written. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. So I'm really anxious to see this Jordan Peele movie and I've avoided spoilers like crazy. So thank you guys for really uh, tiptoeing around the plot of the movie because I want to know nothing, and I'm I'm still I might just go see this by myself some afternoon. I, I would strongly Do recommend it, because I my kids are, you'll, you'll that really would be the it. next movie I would see because yeah I my kid like my kids around. are going back to school next week so I was thinking you know when they go back to school I might just do an afternoon myself go yeah. see this movie I think you'll I really do. like it especially if you like his other ones yeah you're really I do. like this one okay thank you. Yeah. Well, b- before we flip it over to Gabe to wrap this episode up, I'll just say that um, it, I'm not so much have an issue with with Jordan Peele to kind of start his his filmmaking career. I've had more of an issue with, I think, some of the over the top reaction that a lot of the critics and, and stuff like that did, did. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes has it is the num get out was the number four movie of all time according to their their rating systems that I we do they, I'm I like, think it got overly rated but watching yeah. it made me appreciate it yeah i mean and I, i'm glad i saw get out before it, it really really took off with like just the over praising and and stuff like that that happened and honestly that kind of started to turn me off of um i wasn't excited for us to come out and actually i I, I talked with a few people that saw it and they were like uh i mean it was okay it's not as good as get out and i'm like all right well i i liked get out i didn't love get out and then so whenever i heard that about us i didn't 
I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch that. But you guys have kind of got me excited for that. Again, I have nothing against Jordan Peele. I'm glad he's making original films. Um, I wasn't, didn't really care much about the trailers, but you know, both of you guys have said that it, it it's good. It's worth a watch. It's, it's got some great stuff in it. So, um, I'm, I'm gonna check this one out. You know, Wesley, can I just chime in real fast? Do it. I totally, I totally agree with you that Get Out was great, but it won an Oscar in the comedy category. What? Like, if you finally are going to give a horror movie an Oscar, but you snobbed um, Tony Klett's performance in Hereditary yes, from the year before. which is one of the best performances. And if you want to, if you want to talk, yeah, she should have. I, in my opinion, the best dramatic performance of the year, but it was a horror movie, so they didn't accept it. Mm-hmm. And then you have movies like, um, I mean, even Dr. Sleep. I mean, there's some really good stuff being made. So it kind of blew my mind that Get Out won an Oscar. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jordan Peele. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I do agree. I, I totally see your point with saying a little overpraised because- what? There was a lot of movies that were equally as worthy, but he got. The, but hey, at least horror movie got. Um, at least a horror movie got nominated and won it in the Oscars, so I, I can't complain. I'm happy for him. The so. reason I said this movie changed my uh, appealing on Get Out is because I hadn't gone to Jordan Peele's land yet. He hadn't done a lot of movies before Get Out. I didn't know what to expect with a Jordan Peele film, and after watching. This movie, I know what to expect with a Jordan Peele film, so it made me like it more, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, I, I see. I mean, it's it's kind of like me going into a David Fincher film. I, yeah. I know his tone. I know the way that he directs films, yeah. and, and you just kind of yeah. understand. Once you settle in. But he didn't have a lot, world. so we didn't know what to expect. So maybe critics saw something we didn't see. Maybe critics well, saw also, Jordan Peele... You know, each movie of his kind of has a different feel and a different tone and a different kind of themes that he's working through the movie. Yes, movie when you told me about that, tell them about, about that. Yeah. So it's like, those are the things. And some of what you may appreciate with the movie depends on what he's going for in that movie. You know, but I he has really underlying themes that, are like, to, that he's talking yeah, I really about throughout on, the movie. Nope, maybe more than the themes from the other movies. Nope, resonated more with me. Than maybe the others, but other people maybe get more residents out of us or get out. So I think that's that's perfectly fair to say. And I think yeah, what I like about Jordan Peele, not only from the craft perspective, is that he's just doing interesting things. He's making movies that are like Twilight Zone episodes, mm. which I really appreciate. He makes you think, and he's just doing original work. We complain all the time about, hey, we need original mm. movies, and I'm like, well, here's a guy that's like literally doing it. So I really want to. You know, give but that's what I that. feel you, about Get Out too. Get Out's yeah. kind of like a Twilight Zone episode as well. Do you see what I'm saying, Tommy? They're like all that's like what, that. yeah. That's what I, made me appreciate Get Out more is because this is just like it's like a Twilight Zone episode. And you guys know he did produce, write, and direct the reboot of Twilight Zone just three years ago, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's where it. I'm basically going with that. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I assumed yeah. you knew yeah. that. That's why you were bringing it up, but because he exactly. did a good job with. He directed that first episode, The Comedian, and he did a pretty good job. And he was a giant. Jordan Jordan Peele was a a giant fan fan of Twilight Zone. And his favorite uh, Twilight Zone episode was Mirror Image, which I don't know if anybody's seen that. The girl that went to the train station 
and kept seeing like a doppelganger of herself. And uh, that's kind of what he, yep. that's what he based us. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he based us off of. It kind of was his inspiration. He said for that episode or for that movie. So he was a big a fan. Of, that's why I like Jordan Peele is like, yeah. yeah. Like you're saying, all of his movies are kind of like X-Files or Twilight Zone episodes. And I love both of those shows. And it's like, you're getting those in big screen versions of it. And the Twilight Zone is probably even the most apt comparison because the Twilight Zone was of course, very famous for having social commentary woven through the episode. Yeah, that's why I, that's oh, why yeah. I stuck with that. To do. And I really, I really appreciate that. That's what I'm saying. You may not – each of those things that he's going for every movie because they're different may not resonate with you wholly, but maybe another one will. Like, like I said, no resonating more with me than the other ones did, but each of those I appreciate that he's doing that. I think Nope felt more like one of those Twilight Zone episodes, and I felt like people were trying to make Get Out a horror. But so when I watched Nope, and then now I look back at that, and I'm like, man, I, I love this guy. Anywho. All right. Well, we are down to our last set of reviews here, so Gabe, take us home. I'm going to do two quick mini-reviews because we've already gone long, guys, but these are easy. Recently, I saw an action movie on Netflix. I was sitting there. I was like, I want some action. So I check out Gray Man. And I hadn't heard anything about it. I read a little bit about it afterwards. And I found out, like, this was a novel, the Gray Man novels, that was a, it was supposed to be adapted since, like, 2011. Brad Pitt and Charlize Theron were set to, like, uh, be in it in, like, a gender swap role or something. But anyway, so this movie comes out, and they're not in it. Obviously, Ron Gosling and uh, Chris Evans are these two guys, and I'll just set up the, the movie for you. Uh, Ron Gosling is a pers- is a uh, operative in the CIA who's been in prison and basically becomes a black op. And then um, um, Chris Evans is the bad guy, and he is a um, – he's he, it doesn't matter. He's, he's the people the CIA hires when they can't kill somebody. And they're just going at it the whole movie. And it's just about them trying to hunt each other down. Simple. But what I will say about this movie, earlier Tommy said about um, um, one movie that he reviewed on reviewing the new, he said he would inject it into his veins. This is the type of movie I'll eat three servings of for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's going to be my thing. Give me some gray man. Give me three servings (laughs) of it for breakfast. That's my thing. Give me three servings. Give me three servings of the gray man is your thing. Yeah, I'll just eat it breakfast. <laughs> and I don't have to inject it in my veins if I'm that eating it. That doesn't seem like a very healthy diet. <laughs> that's, that's the thing I'm doing now, Tommy. <laughs> a lot of cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the kind of movie I like. Look, as far as action movies that are coming out on streaming, most of them suck, guys. But Gray Man, as far as action movies, is a 10 out of 10. I'd say it's a rich Jeez. man's born ultimatum as far as action just, movies just on stream. You don't like, even believe I, that. I, I do Rich believe it. Ulti- Born Ultimatum is considered one of the best action movies of the 2000s. Like people with better taste. Anyway, but man, Chris Evans is a great villain. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is, is is really good in this movie. And I'm being genuine. Like I, when I say 10 out of 10 of action movies on streaming services, that's obviously not a real life 10 out of 10. That's like a 8 out of 10 in real life. But I really enjoyed it. I was cheering like I was cheering towards the end and I didn't think Chris Evans would be a good bad guy, but he's fantastic. Tommy, do you have anything to add to my gray man review? Um, no, that's your, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I ha- I can't really say whether I agree or disagree. I've heard 
people say that it's good, so I'm not discounting it. And I'll probably watch it. Uh, it's just like you're saying. I don't know if you can compare it to Born Ultimatum. That's a little. That's I'm a little extreme. It. I'm teasing Plus, there. I don't know about this new thing you're doing about eating it for lunch and dinner and breakfast. What about brunch? Would you eat it for brunch? I, well, that's a little <laughs> much. You, you don't want to have too much. You don't want good four thing. servings or three and a half. Okay, that's fair. Three is where you draw the line, apparently. I hear what you're saying on that because I I got late notice in the last second that, that you were covering this movie. So I flipped it on last night. I was half asleep. I only got through maybe half of it, but I liked what I saw. And when you say a 10 in the realm of Netflix action movies yes. or whatever, you know, like I like movies like Extraction, that Netflix original movie. They yeah. came out last year with um, Hemsworth. Well, you got to watch so, the ending of this one. It's got a killer ending. I was cheering. I'm going to finish it. And I, I'm always fine with turn your brain off action movies. That's that's my jam. So That's what this is. Great. Well, the, the Gray Man wanted to be your next James Bond or your next Mission Impossible series. And I don't think it's going to be able to do that. It's a little little too over the top. It's literally like Say you that, put yes. Wes, wait till you eat it for three meals. Well, I'm I'm just going to keep it to one serving. Um, <laughs> but once you put Mission Impossible, James Bond, Bourne, and you throw it in a blender, that's the gray man. That is it. And it sounds so it's fantastic. A little, I want little that over blender. the top, for sure. Um, Chris Evans does not work for me in this movie at all. I despised him. This character, I did not like this character at all. I really liked Ryan Gosling's performance. And, you know, Ana de Armas is always working for me. So she was perfect, like she always is, in every movie. So it, it was good. I watched the whole thing. I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. It was definitely entertaining. Um, outrageous third act. It was so over the top. But... Um, it's over the top in a good way, whereas the last time I tuned into the Fast and the Furious, that's over the top in the worst way possible. So that's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Man, Wesley, I'm so glad glad you brought this up because I didn't know this. I didn't even get that far in the movie or was falling asleep. But uh, you say, okay, uh, Chris um, Evans is kind of the, you know, the bad boy. Mm-hmm. But then you brought up Anna Daramas. Okay, I absolutely love her so much. She was in that Eli Roth movie, uh, Knock Knock. And mm-hmm. even more so, both these people were in uh, Knives Out. Yeah. Yep. N- Knives Out, to me, is a masterpiece. I well, absolutely nice. love Knives Out so much. And now they're making a series, not a series, uh, you know, another, good, another yeah. a sequel, nice. yes. Following Daniel Craig's character, Unfortunately, Chris Evans and Anna Darmos won't be in it. But man, they both were terrific at Knives Out. So now that I yeah, hear I like Knives Out quite a bit, that was really me good. too. So just Anna Darmos, which was great in uh, that that final Bond movie, No Time to Die, that just came out. Man, she's, her cameo a, was 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 excellent. I'm a big fan of her, so I'm gonna round finish this movie because she uh, she's a superstar in my opinion. Check you out some. What would you rank it, Wes, on an action movie? Uh, you know, direct re- release the TV. Uh, well, I just do. Scale. I just do the one scale, and I, it's oh, okay. it's a six. Okay. Um, well, go, here Wes. I'll create one for you. Um, the over the top action movie scale. It's it's a six. 
That's that's made up. <laughs> All right, guys. For my last movie, I'm going to tell you a story. You know, maybe maybe you're like me. Maybe you can appreciate your effeminate side. And you can just go out and have some tea and watch a major um, hit women's novel be portrayed on the screen. Seriously, though, it's a cool story. And I wanted to watch it by myself. And I did um, after watching Thor Love and Thunder. So what could pair better? And the movie I'm talking about is Where the Crawdads Sing. And it's a little different than what you're going to expect. You know, there it's one of those twist and turn movies. It's got a it's got a courtroom drama part to it, but it's also got a gigantic mystery to it. Um, and I just think it's fantastic. I think the setting's really good. I think Rotten Tomatoes has reviewed it terribly. They gave it a uh, like 27, but the audience score is like 96. So it's one of those ones that I was actually kind of drawn to because I was like, I want to check out why that score is so far off. And I agree with the audience more. I've heard that it's not as good as the books. Um, you know, my wife had a friend that saw it and said it's not as good as the books, but she absolutely loved it. I loved it. Thought I think it's a great movie. If you got to go watch a movie with your wife, or if you're just like me and you're weird and you want to go watch it as a, a dude in an afternoon on a uh, Friday, you do that as well. Um, but I give it like a uh, seven out of 10. I thought it was a cool story. I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know it was a movie until y'all started talking about it. And I try to you give you say, the movies that other people, you know, don't review on podcasts like this. Well, when I heard the title, I thought it was a children's story. Deep cut first. So. <laughs> you know what I like? Uh, you know what I like about this movie is um, I see Daisy Edgar Jones stars in the movie, the woman. She's great, and she was in what may possibly be my second favorite movie this year fresh fresh has anybody seen fresh yeah Yeah, i saw it oh man this movie goes in directions you'll never know uh the lead guy so charismatic i gosh i can't remember his name but he's a big actor but man this movie is great so i can't wait to see um where the card where the card go with your wife man you'll have a good time we're we're going to because we're both a big fan of her from fresh so can't wait to see this movie. I'm glad you liked it. Can't wait to see it. T-Man, any thoughts on where the crawdads sing? I know you're a big courtroom drama guy. Mm. I haven't seen it, so I'll let you know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll never hear from him again on this. So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up for the night, guys, so I'm done. <laughs> I, give you the, I give you the hot takes. All right. Well, Brian... Thank you so much for joining this episode. We really appreciate it. And uh, um, again, we just apologize. It took so long to get you on. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Real guys, Gabe, T-Man, my buddy, my horror buddy, Wesley Jones. I'm so, I'm so honored to join you guys. I really am. Like I was really intimidated to come on the podcast because I talk horror on all the podcasts I join and, this one isn't exclusively that so but i'm a i'm a fan of all cinema anything i don't even care hey, Brian, i watch, watch rom com yeah I, I just really appreciate I'll, the invite and I'll one note, one note from things. earlier was when you guys were talking about the movie elvis you mentioned the director he did moulin rouge well if if my daughter ever listened to this lily her middle name's sateen we named her Satin after, yeah. after you know Nicole Kidman and <laughs> Moulin awesome. Rouge. So, so that was a great movie. So I'm anxious great, to see all man, this. Girl. 
You're a guy that, that I, I, I'm sold on you, Brian. A guy that can go from horror and admit that he likes Moulin Rouge. Great. That's oh. me. That's who me and Tommy are. We like all cinema. And yeah, I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to say that you know Moulin Rouge, Wizard of Oz. I watch musicals. I watch horrors. I'm a fan of all cinema, and that's why I like real talk podcasts. You guys cover everything, and I'm a fan of everything. So this is hey, my yeah, go. Brian, this, it's my go-to podcast. You guys are awesome. Hell yeah. Before I interrupted it, I was going to say, can that be our tagline? But I ruined it. So. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, we, sorry. Could, we could throw it yeah. out there. I don't no, know how to create not, a tagline. We'll put it up you to West. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, no, Brian, we, we really appreciate you, you taking the time out of your schedule to, to join us tonight. It was a lot of fun and uh, hope to have you back uh, at some point in the future. Anytime. It'd be my honor, guys. Well, audience, we told you we would announce uh, what our next episode is going to be, which is going to be the trilogy capper of our summer blockbuster series. And I'm sure most everybody knows it overwhelmed. We already already announced it earlier. I don't think you have to do it again. (laughs) That's on that alternate podcast. (laughs) Guys, let me interject. Sorry, one more time. Your summer blockbuster episodes covering four years at a time is freaking amazing. Like, <laughs> this is incredible content, and I know everybody loves these episodes, and I love your contests you do. And one more thing. I'm going to tell you, two years ago, what brought me to your podcast was your interview with Eric Freeman from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Remember that interview? Y- yes. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> one of my favorites we've done. <clears throat> and when you guys had him on, you guys stole my heart. And I, I'm a real talk fan for life. And I wear your T-shirt you send me all the time. And I brag about you guys. So thank you so much. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you. Awesome. You're the man, Brian. Thanks. Thank you. You too. <laughs> and then so the movie we're going to be covering next episode is 2008's The Dark Knight. Yeah. So very excited. Really for this. wanted to do this Upset. one. We're... <laughs> we're actually going to be joined by mr trey whetstone he's going to be joining us for that episode and uh, we hope to record that sometime in the next two to three weeks so we wanted to announce that and uh yeah i'll do the the final spiel and we'll get out of here but as always thank you for tuning into this episode of real talk come and join us on social media brian's a big part of that you can interact with him on there as well um, we're on Facebook. Just type in Real Talk Movie Podcast. You'll find our Facebook group. We're on Twitter at Real R E E L underscore cast. We're on Instagram. I haven't posted on that in like two or three months, so I need I should probably do that. I went the T Man route with running our Instagram page. Yeah. Gabe hey. is on no telling what platform these days. Yeah, I think just he's got stick a with true that. social account going these days. Yeah. Stick route. with that. Well. I don't do anything with them. <laughs> But yeah, those are the main places. Interact with us on Twitter and Facebook. And for us, that's a wrap.